he's rapidly become the Rudy Giuliani of golf. And the only thing that, that's stopping that from being true is the fact that Greg Norman exists. Right. No putts given is powered by my golf spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy my golf spy, nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. All right, guys, here we are. Welcome to episode 98 of No Putts Given. As you can see, things have changed, right? We back we a back. little different. Um, to speak Chris's language, let's talk about the 400-ounce ice cream bowl in the room. Uh, Miranda is no longer with my golf spy. Where'd everybody go? I know, it's just you and me. So Miranda left. We're going to run it our way. Um Moving forward, you and me, for better words. which may be right into the ground, but that's, that's kind of how we roll. So new format, um, two guys talking, we're going to have some more guests. Uh, and yeah, like I said, really geek out and yeah. do it our way. Yeah, what should people expect in this in this new format? Because I know we got a lot of comments. When's it coming back? We're no puts give and go. Why don't you care about us? You don't call, you don't write, you don't, don't send postcards. You, know? you don't even love us anymore. Yeah, so I no. want to say, you know, some some nerd stuff, some fun stuff. Um, like I said, we have more guests, um, primarily guests from inside the industry, but we're gonna we're gonna look at people who are golf connected in a more general sense, and and like I said, try and have some fun with it, but but do our thing yeah. and, and really kind of focus on some of the technical nerd stuff. Are we going to give away any Japanese? You know, I guess that's, that's the beauty of this. So the background here, right, when we decided to bring No Putts Given back, Adam said, you guys do what you want. And so, Chris, if you want to give away Japanese head covers, I mean, we can do a whole First show. week. <laughs> We're giving away one this week. Um, I don't know what the requirement's going to be yet, but it'll, it'll be something around either a witty comment or a good question but i will not release that until later in the show so that people can't watch like the first two minutes and be like i'm out okay so stay tuned this is crazy so this is how long we've been off the air when when we wrapped up the last episode like i had an empty lot and so we've gone from empty lot dirt. to hole yeah. to concrete lined hole to now a fully framed structure which may actually have shingles on it by the time i i roll over there next so i mean that's you know okay. we're almost uh so maybe a nail gun company maybe uh <laughs> sponsored by milwaukee <laughs> it's not yeah funny. i like mean my, so we're building this new house right move in ready obviously and my wife is already like all right and so here's your list of 10 projects when we move in like finish the basement build a mudroom bench um we need and based on your experience, like finishing out trim in a room, what's a reasonable estimation on time to completion? Well, you know, I think I think we're probably looking at a a thirty year mortgage. So I think by the time it's paid off, we should have <laughs> you know eighty percent of the work done. So, what about you? I mean, Chris, like uh, we've been at this so long. Have you have you lost any kids? Like, can you take your? I like, haven't had any more dollars? kids, nor have I lost any. <laughs> so still holding steady at seven. Them. Still holding steady at seven. Uh, three of them are in college, so people always say, "Oh, you know, it's a, you know when the kids leave the house, right?" Well, uh, I'm here to tell you. Sometimes when the kids leave the house, they actually get more expensive the further away they get from the kitchen. So, um, but yes, there are still still seven females plus my wife. So I guess that makes eight, and then me and my dog. So we need so we need sponsors. No changes there. <laughs> you got to maintain that lifestyle. 
I yes, I badly need uh, somebody to uh, to help support that. If you are looking but. for a shameless, gratuitous promotion. Hit us up. <laughs> Absolutely, I got we got room on the wall behind me. We got you know room for imagery. Uh, this yeah, I has mean, room. Why would you not want your brand associated with any of this? This is yeah, I right. Right, exactly. So, anyway, enough of that nonsense. Let's get into uh, some meaty topics we just released. Most wanted testing. Well, by the time by the, this by the airs, time this airs, it'll be, be last week, right? But yeah. it'll be last uh, last Monday. Um, and comparing that release, I know a lot of people uh, just reading through some of the comments today. People don't totally shocking. People don't totally understand what we changed and why. And so, you know, historically, it's this idea, okay, most wanted driver, this is the best driver based on, people think it sometimes means it's the best driver for everybody. We've never, never said Never once have we but, meant, uh, certainly but, never but they, said, they best driver that. for everyone. Yeah, so, so people still didn't totally understand that. But we did shift the methodology this year, and that's definitely throwing some people for a loop. It threw me for a loop initially as I'm kind of reading through like, oh, I didn't totally know what we were, you know, doing with some of that. So how did we actually score um, the drivers? Maybe just kind of take us through what was the process? Yeah, so we can rewind a little bit here. This this started with kind of a, I mean, in Adam's head even before this, but we're in the process of redesigning the website. And part of that is to to continue to do what we've always done, dig in, get really into the, the details, be technical, be thorough, but right. try and communicate that in a way that, that resonates with a larger percentage of golfers. We've talked you know, through this whole COVID thing about a new audience coming into golf, new golfers, uh, so brands have had to expand their offerings, that sort of thing. And we're, we're not in a totally unrelated position. There are new golfers who, who maybe don't understand some of the metrics we've used. We've tried to be super technical, super detailed, do it right. But I, I think we've kind of missed the boat on making it a little easier to, to digest on a more universal level. And so we know from buyer's guides and basically any other test website on the internet, right? This idea of a hundred point system resonates. It's easy to understand. You don't necessarily have to know everything that's going into it if you don't want to. And so that was kind of the challenge to me is how do we take most wanted and translate it into something that everybody can digest. And so, you know, for me that meant, Hey, we want to, not only give this 100-point scoring system, but also we want to be still provide what our loyal readers, the data-driven guys, have come to right. expect. And so the other piece of this was to, to take the data we collect and make it more relatable. And part of that, again, right? Hey, here's the big picture. If, if this is all you want is just a rough score, cool, we get that. We know there are a lot of you out of there. Or you you know something at, you know, maybe you're not you're not concerned with distance to an absolute number or relative value, or you don't know, you don't care about being able to select your attack angle. You just want to say, Hey, I'm looking for a driver that's maybe favors straightness, or I'm looking for something more forgiving, or I just want the longest driver for sort of this, you know, in this case, right across an entire test pool. And so we, we right. essentially are giving you options. And as part of that, it was 
I don't want to say entirely new metrics because a lot of the metrics we're using are metrics we've used at one time or another in the past and kind of evolved them to where they are now. But the idea is to be able to to give golfers the capability to go, hey, all right, here's the best overall. This is most wanted. This is the one that kind of checks all the boxes. Um, but you may just say, hey, I want the longest or I, I don't care about forgiveness. Show me you know, what's best for distance and accuracy. So by separating those metrics the way we have, rather yeah. than using a single stroke gain metric, we're hopefully giving golfers the ability to sort of go in, look at, at our raw scores, if you will, and then say, hey, but you know, maybe, maybe forgiveness is more important to me than it is for my golf spy, or accuracy is more important. Right. Again, all I care about is distance or even to the next level with our peak distance number is all I care about is distance on that one shot I absolutely hit on the screws. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to give you every opportunity to kind of narrow it down to what you want, what's important to you while still using the same testing methodologies we've always used. Yeah. So that was like my first question as I read through, I'm going, okay, in the past we used strokes gained as like the ultimate metric, right? And... Again, I get that as a metric, it's a little bit confusing because it's comparative to some degree. Um, and we kind of said, okay, if there's a funnel, we're going to put all this information at the top and we're going to let that funnel down to strokes gained. And that's going to be kind of the end all be all, right? And now we're kind of saying, okay, here are the four or five, like I, I think of it kind of like Plinko. <laughs> Remember the Plinko game? Like on whatever, you know, and you drop them in, you drop the stuff in and whoop, Eventually, it comes down here somewhere. But now we're kind of saying, okay, if there are four or five different categories that we're going to drop information into, really, we just kind of, you know, flip the funnel upside down, right? And we said, okay, we're going to actually produce information based on or show you the information based on these, you know, call them criteria, whether it's, you know, distance, forgiveness, strokes gained, whatever. It's like, okay, here are our four or five buckets that are what we test on. And now we're going to produce information or the results and publish them in those four or five buckets as opposed to aggregating it all under one statistic. So if that's correct, maybe why do it that way, right? Why, what's the impetus to say, okay, we're actually going to take something that was kind of simple in the sense it had one result and we're actually going to make it a little bit more complex in some ways. Yeah. And I think, I mean, ultimately I hope we arrived at something more simple. Again, the strokes gain metric, you know, there's evolutions in, in our own knowledge and even in our readers, right. As our readership evolves and changes, you have to kind of try and, and best meet the needs of, of a changing demographic, if you will. And so part of what we strokes gained, you know, I still think it's a great metric, right? It was kind of leading edge at the time, sort of encompassed everything to an extent in a single metric, but it wasn't perfect. And so maybe the best clubs are the ones that, that maybe aren't number one in any given category, or maybe only number one in one or two metrics, but kind of check all the boxes as you go. And so that that's kind of really what we're looking for here is let's, let's find those clubs that check all the boxes for kind of the best overall. And then, as I said, right, if, if you're more forgiveness focused and as you know forgiveness is a challenging thing to quantify right. but you know we're we're giving it our best shot as always and i think you know what we have is really good there. yeah is it forgiveness um, in terms of accuracy is it forgiveness in terms of retained 
ball speed? Is it in terms of total distance? Is it in total? Is it retention yeah, of what? Again, what I say is, you you ask five R and D guys to define forgiveness, you're going to get probably six. You'll probably get six different answers. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and so we're like, well, you know, what what translates to the golf course in terms of forgiveness? Yeah. So forgiveness, for example, we look, hey, what's what's the difference between my really good shots from a carry distance perspective and the ones that maybe didn't carry so well? You know, how tight is that, that Delta, grouping? How right? tight is that? All right. And then same thing with ball speed, right? You know, how far apart are my fast my fast shots from my slow shots? Then that that's the one that probably correlates most closely with MOI. And then the third piece, the shot area metric, which we've used on and off for, for years, which is basically kind of that dispersion right. area that, you know, draw a circle that. around yeah. them on a, the launch monitors, right? And so... You know, you, with those three, and we, we looked at others and we found that pretty strong correlation to those three. And we felt that those three were were ones that average golfers could wrap their head around and it kind of made sense too, for the most part. And similarly with, with accuracy, new metrics there, but again, relatively intuitive. And I think meaningful on the golf course in a way that, that a single metric alone isn't. Yeah. So here's another question for you. Though. That's got me thinking about it. Like, all right, so I'm going through the data and two things. Number one, you know, uh, people want to point out flaws. I get people are critical in, in general. So they look at any test and, and some people look at tests, not necessarily in an effort to learn from them, but in an effort, you know, an effort to try to poke holes in them or whatever. And it's like, okay, that's fine. I get it there. You know, any club. Did test, you say Erfurt? Erfurt. Yeah. Erfurt. It's a new word. Erfurt. It's, it's a, it's Norwegian. Cause they did so well. Norway did really well at the uh, winter Olympics. Erfurt. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, a club test can do anything, but it's hard to find a club test that does everything, right? To be relatable to all people at all times in all situations. There is no right? perfect. That's an Ever. unfair and an, an unfair bar to set. So going back to the driver test, all right. So if I want to find what I think is my you know, maybe where I want to start my demo experience for this year. And we have the data that you can sort based on certain metrics. What are the three or four things that I should know about my swing if I want to get the most out of our data? Well, the easiest one, and, and again, this is this is one of those challenges, not to go too far in, in the weeds and inside baseball, but, you know, there are there are sort of those inputs, right? If you want to call it an input that we know are really good, but we also know that the average golfer has no idea what those values are for them. So you right. know, we start with swing speed. You know, that's a that's a pretty decent one. It gives you a, a decent jumping off point. And I think a lot of golfers know roughly where they swing. And we give you with this one, I think five different buckets and you can select all the buckets or just a couple buckets or one bucket to help narrow it down. We have a tack angle, which is another good one and that's this is one where we start to see drivers just move up and down really? the table just based on the attack angle of the golfer because with that you get to a degree the, the influence of the launch and spin differences kind of tends to come out a little bit more uh mm -hmm. so that's a good one to know those those are those are two rock solid ones we also include handicap i don't necessarily love this one you know if i'm being brutally honest because as you know right you can be you can be your handicap can be what it is if, you know, let's say it's not what you want it to be it can be a little higher than you want it to be because you're a terrible putter or a terrible driver or equally terrible across the board whatever it happens right. to be but it right. is a you know if you're like you know hey especially if you're trying to cheat forgiveness looking at that higher handicap group can give some insight there as well so mm -hmm. um that that's kind of our baseline metrics 
Again, we want to keep it simple. We're in the process of updating True Golf Fit. Uh, hopefully, that'll be done by the time this airs. Free, free fittings. What free fittings? Uh, no um, fittings. So. so and and again, True Golf Fit free. You can input similar information and get you know uh, the algorithms can crunch out and see kind of what performs best under those conditions as well. So yeah, and I think I think it's important for people to know too. It's like a lot of these filters. I really like thinking about it as a way of like eliminating bad answers. You know, it's like, sure. okay, if, if there are a hundred drivers out there for me and I know my swing speed is X, we can say, okay, with a certain degree of confidence, these 70 probably aren't going to be your best fit. Okay. Now I can add attack angle and now we can eliminate another, you know, X number of drivers and eventually get it down to, let's say there are two, three or four based on our testing. Then you kind of know, Hey, if you know, your local course or whatever has a demo day or something like that. And say, okay, these are the two or three that I want to start my testing with, or if I am going to go into a demo bay or whatever, at least, you know, it may be a flawed testing situation for you to, you know, hit junk golf balls in a demo bay at a big box store, but at least you would be hitting theoretically the two or three clubs that probably give you the best chance of finding one that, you know, is the optimal fit for you, right? So at least you're making a better decision um, even if it isn't perfect, right? Yeah. And what we, I mean, we've said this for years, um, but you know, we believe every golfer should be fitted for every club in their bag. And so it may give you some insight into two or three that, Hey, you know, this wasn't on my radar. I definitely want to want to go for my fitting. I want to make sure I try this one. Uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, where that's the, that's the ideal for me. Like, so that everybody gets something out of this test, but ideally I want you to go get yeah. fitted. So, you know, as we get through there and kind of look at what we did, kind of what, I guess, what were the results? Like, let's just, you know, hit through those real quick. What did well? What surprised you? Top five, what kind of jumped out to you? What trends, things? What did you see in the testing that kind of maybe surprised you a little bit? Uh, surprises? I don't know if you can call it a surprise, but one of the things that you know, it, it seems to be at this point, a recurring pattern like these, you know, we, we can talk about small brands and, and working really hard and doing good work and, and trying to do cool stuff. But at the end of the day, in our driver tests in particular, the big brands are invariably at the top of the table, almost invariably, right? We've, I think, had one outlier in about 10 years of testing now. And so, you know, it's it's not to say the little brands aren't good for somebody, but if you're looking at cross test pools and even when we look at individual category breakdowns, it's it's your Titleists and your TaylorMades and your Pings and, and to an extent your Cobras, right? And Callaway for sure is always right there. And, you know, that <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's kind of, yep. you know, I, I would start my search with one of those. Why is that probably... though? Like it, Because you see like in particular two drivers pop up to me, it's, it's obviously G425 that you know, was the most wanted. And then you saw like TSI3, which again, we can say both of those are kind of in their second year. They're not brand new products as we had brand new from Callaway, TaylorMade, and Cobra. Um, so theoretically, right, these are even the back half of that generation. We're expecting new Metalwoods from both of those companies at some point this year. Um, how are they still able to compete and be at the you know, be in the very upper echelon when in point of fact, they're on kind of the back half of this particular, you know, design cycle. 
You know, I mean, I think it's it's no big secret that innovative opportunities are relatively small in the driver space, right? We talk about all the time trying to cheat that space between CT and COR, but I mean, there's there's not a ton of room there, so nothing's going to get that much faster. Yeah, we'll see. You know, TaylorMade certainly tested better than they have for us in the last several years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, did they make a better driver? Yes, I think I think that's a fair statement. Did they make the greatest? You know, is it light years ahead of the competition? No, but again, you know, we're we're dealing with a really restricted window here, and so it's not unusual for for the gaps to be small and for for the lifespan. We say realistically significant improvement probably five years from one driver to the next and you get kind of this slow small percentage innovation but for it to add up and for it to be really noticeable it it takes a few years for for every company so it's it's never surprising to see drivers hang on i mean when we tested the the last five most wanted winners i think one of the oldest was was one of the ones on top and you know going back i think the oldest on that list was the tailor-made m1 the first one and it more than held its own so I mean, so, it's one of these things where, you know, companies have to make new product, just like a car company has to has to manufacture new cars and Nikon has to make a new yes, camera and on and on and on. But at, at the end of the day, you know, do you really need a new driver? I don't know. So, right. Only. And I say, right. It's it's has your swing changed. Is something fundamentally right, different with right. you. There's almost no, no chance that you're going to, you know, buy a driver this year that's going to significantly outperform the one you you bought yeah so long as you were fit but and all that the stuff. thing to yeah. keep in mind right not the the typical in and we're accelerated with covid but the typical driver release cycle is or replacement cycle is is four to five years so going back to you know something i believe harry arnett said to me once it's like you know a new driver isn't for the guy who just bought one right. last year it's right. not it's it's for the guy who bought one three four five years ago now don't get me wrong, right? It's nice if the guy who bought one last year also buys the one this year. Companies would be okay, but they're, it's, they're fine. Just for the record, yeah. They're but fine realistically, that, it, but, it it doesn't work yeah. like that. And so, you know, innovation kind of follows that that same procedure. That said, you know, we saw we saw Taylor made on top for ball speed, not by a massive number, but the the Stealth Plus was on yep. top. But again, I would point out there, as we noted in the article, you know, you can talk about all the technological breakthroughs in the world. What holds true is is your run in the mill physics. Right? A little longer the, shaft. The forward yeah. center of gravity. Yeah, longer shafts. That's a way to get speed. Forward center of gravity. You can't see it. It's you know everybody kind of mentions it a little bit, but that that forward center of gravity is almost invariably faster, and that's what we see in the test. So you know everything else. It's it's cool, but like I said, if you bought a driver last year, you probably don't. Need yeah. It. So. Go back to the small companies real quick where it's like that different. I mean, we, we've certainly seen this over time that maybe the gap between top and bottom has closed or at least top and middle. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of good companies, you know, obviously iterate, create. But like you said, there's certain borders and kind of boundaries that we bump up against. And so do you think it's more so that these bigger companies, you know, again, Titleist, Ping, TaylorMade, Cobra, that they – have this, you know, small lead, if you will. And that gap, however small it is, is just something that some of these smaller brands can't really close because effectively they're not necessarily doing their own R&D. They're reliant upon 
what's more or less public information, you know, like kind of waiting for that trickle down technology to happen or I mean certainly that that's what you see in the direct to consumer space, right? These guys don't have massive R&D teams um by any stretch. Right. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, Callaway talks all the time about having the largest R&D budget in golf. Like there's there's a lot of big companies that don't spend the kind of money they do. And, and then when you get into the smaller companies, it's it's just not there. And again, it it almost doesn't need to be to the extent of, you know, the innovation just isn't advancing rapidly. And a lot of times, and again, this is not performance, but the biggest differences are going to be in things like sound and feel and the industrial design and, and the ability to just make it look really good in a high quality paint. But at the same time, as I said, you know the the smaller brands they they don't hold up when you when you look at things like ball speed for yeah. example right there's just and who knows right it could be as simple as as a shaft or consistency of manufacturing but it's say tolerances again, we're not yeah. talking massive numbers right we're not talking five miles no, an we're hour talking. you know one or two enough enough to right. matter um, but again and there are even within that that kind of those those smaller companies you do find sweet spots pockets in the data sweet spots where these clubs just work really well for one guy so in that in that respect what i would say is they don't necessarily do as good a job as fitting the meat of the yeah. bell curve yeah well i'm excited to start my own testing now see what uh see how uh see how it goes what hell yeah test hell yeah do you have anything you're excited about uh, you know, I, I, you know, Stealth Plus, obviously excited about the, um, you know, the, the Cobra LTD-X. You know, I saw good numbers on that when they were fitting before it. So, I'm, you know, and I, that one during the fitting hit range balls, normalized on track, man. Really, really interested to see what that looks like when I hit it with a, with a golf ball I play. Um, you know, I've got a TSI-3 that I absolutely love. <laughs> And you know, I'd I'd be remiss not to check out the Callaway stuff, yeah. right? I'd have to be a complete moron, and especially in my position, not to look at. I mean, look at everything. You know, the the triple diamond, not for everybody, but that's typically the kind of thing that has worked well for me, and that that tested really well for us. The other stuff looked good. I'm still interested in the LS for sure. So, you know, we'll talk to Callaway, maybe get some stuff to play with there as well. So, I mean, I'm. You know, I'm, I probably am much to, uh, not always, but uh, less so with, with irons and things like that. But when it comes to drivers, I am kind of a, a big company guy. Again, seeing the results, knowing what's worked for me. And so I'll probably stay in that sphere. But you know, who tuned. knows, right? One thing that people noted, right? We didn't test PXG drivers this year. Well, that's because they got new ones coming eventually. Um, but eventually isn't here yet. So we were we were a little ahead of eventually. Today, today is so we'll today see. eventually is some other time, right? Much maligned, but I'm always optimistic. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. What else is going on? What else do we need to talk about? Man, how about, how about this Saudi? Yeah, how much did they offer you? Right. What did they God. offer you? Because at this point, it seems like they're probably down to guys like you and me. I, it, it may come down to that. Yeah. I have not been, uh, it's, it's less than many millions. Let's put it that way. I think it's zero millions. Also zero. Is it a rounding tens. error? Are we rounding down? Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, right. We're, we're talking about this and it's been, by the time this airs, I think it's, it's very likely that it could be totally kaput because as we're recording this, we're just coming off days where Dustin Johnson basically said he was out right. and, 
Bryson certainly hinted that he was out after very much making it look like he was in. And then, of course, the, the Phil Mickelson thing in the uh, in Alan Shipnuck's upcoming book was just an absolute bombshell that Dagger. I think probably it just wrecked Dagger. everybody. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, how fast did we go potentially, right, from, you know, we have 17 people confirmed. Kramer Hickok said that on a podcast he was on, and then it, and then it came out that you know it's going to be twenty people. They weren't going to announce until there's twenty people, and now they have twenty people confirmed, and possibly going to make that announcement like week of PJ Tour's flagship event. Players, right? They're just kind of hijacked. Yeah, players. exactly. So it was like, okay, um, uh, listen to uh, Robert uh, uh, Lucetich, who um, one of my favorite guys to read. Uh, if you don't follow him, he's got. A lot of good thoughts and things, but he was on a radio show basically saying, you know, his sources, and he's not one of these guys like, oh, per sources, and it means, <laughs> you know, the the mail delivery dude, like some of these yokos that are out there, like, oh, well, per sources, they got this and that. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But you know, he was saying it is going like his his information, like it is going to happen. There are players confirmed, um, and he's not one to throw that out there lightly, and then. You know, a couple, three, four, five days later, we basically get a situation where, to me, the sense and the feel is that it, it very well may come to be that when we look at this retrospectively and have a little bit, you know, clearer picture, you get a little bit away from it, that that Phil Mickelson played himself and overplayed his own hand and torpedoed his own efforts. And I don't know if it's because he felt the need to, that he had to be the smartest guy in the room. And this was a thing where like, Hey, I, ha I mean, it's like when you watch those, I, I'm a big crime drama guy, love watching my law and order, love watching those shows, you know, where they can kind of tell the person they're interrogating has, you know, like, hey, let's go after this this guy or gal's ego. They can't not tell us what they did and, and kind of got to that point where Phil basically told him his grand plan was to leverage the Saudis, even in spite of all this stuff, in order to try to find favor and make the PGA Tour better. It was a leverage ploy. There was never a serious interest to actually support this, even though... Right, the statement was that he had drafted or had some uh, legal team that he helped pay for, or whatever. Um, actually, helped draft some of the operating agreements for this Saudi league, and now it may all go up in 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 flames. And then, where are we? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's it's one of these things, right? If you've as this has been teased and floated as a thing that could happen. Uh, you know, to a man, all of these pros are like, well, it's an opportunity to grow the game, grow the game, grow the game. Well, you know, yeah, you know, maybe some of the human rights stuff is a little dicey, but this is this is unique opportunity to grow right. the game. You know, there's no better opportunity, no better chance to grow the game. And then Phil came out and basically, you know, paraphrasing here for, for the sake of a big brief, but basically like, yeah, you know, these these Saudi guys are really bad, but this is an opportunity for us to make a lot of money. And and so right there, like the whole grow the game thing, forget about it. It's over. Like, I think we all knew this was about the money and not not growing the game. But he said the quiet part out loud. And that, I think, puts a lot of pressure on guys who who have 
to this point been pretending that it was about something other right. than the money. And now, you know, that, that cat's out of the bag very publicly. And so, yeah. So is it dead? Do you what think you it's do? DOA now? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, right? <laughs> Phil is still a maybe. And I, you have to wonder to what extent he'd be welcome back with open arms on the PGA Tour or his, you know, tour champions or, or any of that stuff. I mean, he's sort of kind of cast himself as... You know, I would I would say that you know, he's he's rapidly become the Rudy Giuliani of golf, and the only thing that, that's stopping that from being true is the fact that Greg Norman exists. Right. right. So, um, yeah, I I don't know how you can have sort of this splinter league when, I mean, who's who's left right of the of the top guys? So John Rahm is a no. Rory McIlroy is a no. Tiger Woods, which we think hope will right. play again. Is a no. Dustin Johnson is a no. Bryson Bryson appears to be a no. 10. It's it's like like here's we've we've talked Justin about this Thomas. before too. And Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. And you know it's it's hard enough to get people to watch golf anyway. We know talked about this before, the Masters, right? Golf's signature event. The audience for that is basically the same as a, a top tier midseason NFL game, right? For as big as it is, it's just not that big. And so now you're you're having this this possibility of having this splinter tour, which doesn't have any of the traditional majors to offer. I'm sure they'll try and spin up some kind of championship, but you're certainly not going to have anything like the Masters and certainly not for years to come. Because I, I got to tell you, as a golfer, I don't care what the purse is. Like there's something about Augusta, right? Sure. That that's what makes it great. And something about the history of the U.S. Open that makes it great. It's not the FedEx Cup, you know, lots of money in, uh, involved there. Whatever. Who cares, yeah. right? You know, so, certainly I don't. And so you you have the golf season, which is essentially four four majors. The you know I, I guess you can make a case for the players, and maybe as you get towards the end of the FedEx cup is, you know, those two would be your BB plus tier and the rest is just filler content. And so you're, you're not going to support an entire splinter tour filled with what looks to be the B tier of golfers right. now, maybe even the right. C tier and get people to watch. And it, so I don't know if it, it weren't, if it weren't for, so ask the question this way, like, do you think there's viable room for a, you know, another tour call it experimental, developmental, competing, whatever the case is, is, is it the issue that that, again, number of players, I mean, there's there's a number of phenomenal golfers that are out there. We see that on the mini tours all the time. You see it in Monday qualifiers all the time. How many really, really good competitive golfers are out there? Now, that's a different statement from good competitive golfers that people want to watch. I get that. So is is the issue of like filling fields that that we don't want another tour there's not room for it or is the fact that the the money in this case coming from a murderous regime with you know more than questionable human rights records etc and and all of this you know bone saw blood money is that the fundamental problem with Saudi or is it just another tour in general that's the issue Well I think yes and yes <laughs> I mean <laughs> I think for a lot of people, the fact that this is this is based uh, from you know it's the Saudi Arabian government, right. right? It's Saudi money paying for this as a non-starter. And I know we hear lots of people. Well, what about China? And you know, you can go on the list. You can find something to say about 
just about every country on the planet. And some people even say, well, look at the, some of the stuff that's happened in America. And this is all fair criticism. But the, the key thing to understand is the primary difference here is the same guys writing the checks are legitimately, literally the same guys who wrote the check to the guys who killed Jamal Khashoggi, right? That's, that's how close these two things are. There's no, whatever you want to say about the Chinese government, there has always been at least some air of disconnect. It is fundamentally not the same right. thing. So, you know, Saudi in general is a non-starter. And then in terms of, I would say, could the PGA Tour be better? I mean, no laying up guys talk about this all the time, right? There's ample opportunity for improvement every at every piece in that puzzle, every step of the way. But for a, a, an entirely different league, I, I come back to what is the audience, mm -hmm. right? Because like I said, compared to the NFL, compared to you know, a few other sports probably on a comparative basis, nobody watches golf. And so what, it, what is your opportunity to spin off the PGA tour, which again, majors and some filler and the filler definitely nobody yeah. watches. How do you spin that off into something that, that people are going to watch? And I'm not saying that's not impossible, but you know, maybe you fundamentally change the format and at which point, and maybe you go, you know what? screw the USGA. We're going to go the opposite. We're going wild, wild west here. And we're going to make this super entertaining. XFL um, style. Are we going to have golf? Yeah. You have the, yeah, XFL style for sure. But in golf, you have, you know, a pretty strong traditionalist crowd that, that wants golf to be golf as it's been always played. So I don't know what the opportunities to kind of go rogue. Was think I supposed speed? to say think speed I think. before? To go, yeah, think speed, go rogue. To go right, and maybe that's hey, let's yeah. let's focus on speed and go rogue with this tour. I don't. Yeah, know. I don't yeah. I mean, I, my final thought on it, it: we've seen this to a degree with the FedEx Cup, right? Where you can't contrive history and historical importance, and so part of what people do love that do love the PGA Tour, and I think this is what you saw some players getting to this week, talking about winning certain tournaments, right? The things that, again, they're playing for a ridiculous amount of money, and anybody thinks different just isn't looking at the same math. Like, there's some very, again, if you make it to that level and can win on the PGA Tour, um, compared to the rest of humanity, economically speaking, you're probably doing pretty well. But to have Tiger Woods hand you a trophy at his event, to win at Augusta, uh, you saw last year with Hideki, um, and, and kind of the weight of an entire country on his shoulders, and what that did probably for him as an individual because of the tournament that he was playing in. Shane Lowry winning the Open or British Open, depending on who they are, um, in terms of a life and career-defining moment, that's all a function of the tournaments that they're playing because of the history and the lore and the legacy of those events. And you can't just recreate that overnight with a couple billion no. dollars of money. And I don't care if that billion comes from, again, a murderous regime or anywhere else. You can't just import that influence. And so long as you have the best players in the world that the small segment of the world actually wants to watch, again, again, not as many people watching golf, but if there's 20, 30 players that people actually will sit down to watch, as long as those players want to play for the history and the legacy, then I don't see how you actually have a legitimate product 
um, other than a loss leader of sorts or another developmental tour um, of sorts, you know, potentially. But although, I mean, we've seen this come up, right? This People have tried to do some of these things before and maybe, you know, you can argue it led to the WGC events, right? Those being created and, and this new fall schedule that PG Tour, right, is looking at with more of a Ryder Cup style, maybe kind of team-based format different types of events uh in the fall to to change that i think maybe you see that you see different opportunities for the pga tour throughout different times in the year um you know and 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 hopefully it does that which again i guess that's what phil wanted all along so maybe that's yeah apparently right just wants to change the tour and you know be able to change money on nfts with footage of his swings or some such whatever yeah. it is right the, the media yeah. rights but i don't know but that's my thought. yeah it's again and i think i think you're right there's an opportunity for to maybe do some different formats and mix it up and, and make it so it's not so stale but right there's you, you have these same problems where from a viewership perspective the guy on the couch trying to decide if it's worth either wasting a Sunday <laughs> afternoon or, uh, you know, enjoying your Sunday afternoon, right? Which is it for, for your golf coverage and, you know, some of these formats, right? Match play. I love match play, but by the time you get to Sunday afternoon, it's, it's dreadful because there's four guys on the course and, you know, you just get, you get filler and there that's in a world where there's already way too many commercials and, you know, not enough shots and, and way too much talking, he says, as he talks for way too long on a <laughs> podcast, right? It's, it's, it's that sort of thing. And so it's, you know, what do you tackle first, right? Do you get to the fundamental things again, like, you know, too many commercials or is, or do you need to reinvent the wheel or at least spice things up? It's, it's not an easy challenge, but I know, I know the answer to that problem is not Saudi blood money and a bunch of events that, that have no history. Yeah. And I can assure you at this point, I'm not going to give a damn about anyway. And it, <laughs> looking the way this things are going to shake out, nobody you would want to watch play. Uh-huh. Anyway. So maybe money can't buy everything. Definitely not. So I think that that's a good place to wrap it up, huh? If you want to win this Japanese head cover, post below what driver you think Tony will end up gaming this year. That's the comment. That is the comment. Uh, And whichever one I think is the best answer, I'm going to send you one of these. So there you go. All right. On that note, we out. We out.